Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion. I want to, today's going to be kind of a different episode. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to struggle, I guess, with this one a lot. I'm going to share a personal story with you. This episode is based around my, uh, my patriarchal blessing. And, and part of this is the struggle that many of you feel in, in knowing the deeper issues, in, in your interaction with your wards. And, uh, but it's also in part maybe a, a lesson for us to be more humble, even in the midst of being frustrated with things. And so I'll preface this lesson with the whole, you know, spiel, I guess, on I hope that you're enjoying this podcast. This, this is an episode I really want your feedback on. And so if you could please email me at realmormon at gmail.com and uh, let me know what your thoughts were on this particular episode. Uh, this is an emotional episode. I don't know, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I want to tell this story. I think it's important. I also hope if you love the podcast that you're, you consider becoming a premium subscriber. I know not every episode is the best thing in the world. I know sometimes people enjoy the interviews. Other people enjoy the little clips of leaders talking about things and me expounding on it. And some episodes are just me talking and, and they can be, I guess, a little, uh, a little hard to get through. Maybe, maybe that's how you feel. I, I hope that's not the case, but let me start by sharing, um, when I, when I was a convert to the church, and I know I say this in almost every other episode, but I joined the church at age 17, at the age of 17, and, and as a convert to the church, it wasn't very long before I went and got my patriarchal blessing. And, and some of the story I'm going to, I'm kind of blur some of the timeline. I'm not going to share names. I don't want people guessing whether some of these events occurred recently or whether they occurred years ago. But it's a story I want to tell because the conclusion of it happened recently. So I got, I want to, to get my patriarchal blessing from our patriarch in our stake. I went with my girlfriend to get that patriarchal blessing. And so we went into the, the patriarch's home and, uh, I had, I, my girlfriend I think went first. I don't remember what the order was, but I think my girlfriend went first and she went and she got her blessing and she wanted me in the room. She wanted her mom in the room. And so we were both in there and so I had the chance to hear this blessing pronounced upon her head. And as this blessing was given, it was, it was great. I mean, it was a neat experience. I, I, I recognized that this is supposed to be one of those huge spiritual moments in your life. And so this blessing with her happened. And then when it was done, her and her mom left the room. And I sat down and the patriarch and I had a, a short conversation about who I was and what my circumstances in life were. And, and then he proceeded to give me the patriarchal blessing. And as he gave me this blessing, it struck me Two things struck me. One was that many of the exact same things he had said to my girlfriend, he had said to me, to the point where I can almost point out a, a, 
all these extremely similar or exact wording phrases comparing the the two next to each other the the other thought i had as he's given me this blessing is i i didn't really feel the spirit of the blessing i i just it just wasn't i just remembered the time it just wasn't the spiritual experience for me that i had hoped it would be and so when the blessings were done we we both uh we both went home and some time passed, and maybe six months, a year later, year and a half later, I'm the home teacher over two families in our ward. The one is a part member family. It's a sister. She's a convert to the church. She's an older lady. And the other was a brother who lived all by himself. And uh, he was not a convert, but he was. Uh, his name had been removed from the records of the church, and he had worked his tail end off to get himself worthy again and got rebaptized. Was given the ironic priesthood for the first time in his life and he went and got his patriarchal blessing. And in the process of home teaching these two these two members, both of them on on different occasions I should say it that way, both of these individuals, the sister on one occasion and the brother on another occasion pulled out their patriarchal blessings and wanted to share them with me. Now, I don't make it a habit of making my blessing public. And I don't make it a habit, nor do I think I've ever asked anybody about their patriarchal blessing, perhaps with the exception of my father-in-law, who who I've gotten into some deep conversations with at different times. But generally speaking, I don't ask anybody uh, to, to listen or read or to view or to see their patriarchal blessing. It's, I've always considered it just a, a personal, sacred thing not to be tossed out in front of anyone. But these two members wanted to show it to me and in the effort not to offend them as both of them were in their circumstances kind of young in the gospel, I uh, I didn't say anything. I let them do that. And so this sister and this brother, again, on different occasions, shared their blessing with me. And what caught me off guard was that their blessings, given by the same patriarch as, as I had gotten mine through, had given blessings that were extremely similar to mine. It's not that there weren't personal promises and warnings and blessings given, but that their promises, blessings, and warnings were the same blessings, promises, and warnings that I had received. And it just struck me as this, it just like my stomach, my stomach just sank. There was this pit in my stomach. I felt awful. They had shared this with me and I, I was, I just, I could feel within me this anger that I had been ripped off of the blessing which I deserved. And this aided me for years and, and so now we fast forward into these little Faith, trials of faith I'm having and this major faith crisis I'm having and and as I think about in fact I should back up after this event had happened feeling as dis, feeling as distraught as I had over this experience of having heard these two people share their blessing and realizing that their blessing was in many ways overly similar to mind than what I expected it to be, I went to a leader in the church and 
and went to this leader and I expressed the experience that I had had and what I was feeling and essentially asked this person to fix it. And this person essentially wrote it off. They they didn't have a good answer, but they it really wasn't something they were prepared to address. They realized that you know, and again I'm putting I'm putting my my perceived motives into their mouth and head. But I don't I don't feel like this was something that they wanted to go to bat for. This 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 was an issue that if I can just you know, if I can just get Brother Real to settle down and, and see some of the other possibilities here, maybe he'll just walk away content with the blessing that he's been given. But it didn't work. I wasn't content. And so now, going back to what I was saying, fast-forwarding through all my trials of faith, and, and including kind of the beginning of my major faith crisis, I, uh, I was just thinking about how I got from where I was to where I, where I was at in the beginning of having this perfect, naive, beautiful testimony to all of a sudden doubting the truth claims of the church. And I was talking to a member of our ward who's a, a deep thinker like I am and uh, very appreciative of this person. I wish I could name them and just praise them up and down for 10 minutes. But I want to say, you know, faith uh, a faith crisis is hard. And I know so many of you are alone or the person you love is alone and they don't know who to go to. And they've got these deep questions, but they can't ask anybody because they'll hurt someone else's testimony or they, they've tried and nobody has a good answer and people just tell them to get back in line and pray harder and try more. And just, you know, do the, do those right things, those little easy answers and everything will fix itself. And so you just end up pretending it's fixed and shutting it up inside. And so I'm grateful for this member of my ward who, being a deep thinker like me and allowing me to express my viewpoints. I mean, this was, this is a person that I could go to and say, I don't think the church is true anymore. And this person, it didn't affect their testimony at all. They completely understood where I was coming from. They had dealt with some of these same overarching issues themselves. And they were in a place, kind of, I guess I can relate to like Terrell Givens. They were in a place where they could hear someone else share where they were, and yet it wouldn't affect them in the place that they are. So recognizing that, this person said, look, let's just talk about this. Let's open up. Let's really get into this. And in the process of of this person counseling with me and, and getting my feelings and being willing to let me totally just throw it all out there, one of the things I realized was that this experience with this patriarchal blessing is one of the early factors in my in my future faith crisis. And as I go back and revisit the the experience in my mind, I am angry and I am bitter and I am frustrated and I feel cheated. And so I, I let it eat at me for a while. I just think about it. And finally, a few months later, this person who I'd been talking to and kind of come to this conclusion with said, hey, have you ever done anything about that the uh, the issue with the patriarchal blessing? And I said, what am I supposed to do? And they said, you have a right to have this resolved. You have a right to to reach some conclusion on this. 
And so at that point, I uh, I wrote somebody a message, a leader, a message, and just just saved it in my email. Didn't do anything with it. Just saved it there. Didn't really know what to do. And and finally, an opportunity presented itself for me to talk to somebody in the church who was serving as a patriarch. And uh, when this opportunity presented itself, I just I took the chance to just say, "Hey, you know, shame on me if this story is out of line, but I just want to throw this on you and just see what you think." And so I threw this this experience on them, and and they they totally empathized with where I was coming from, and and essentially, you know really couldn't be committal on it because there, there was no power in their hands. So I just let it, I just, uh, you know, essentially the conclusion of that conversation was they empathized, they, they said I should pursue talking to someone about it, uh, but there was nothing that they could do uh, to resolve it. So at that point, I uh, I shot the email that I had on to a leader, and uh, and the leader uh, asked me to to sit down with them and to talk with them, and so I shared again my experience. Right, I just unload my experience and share it with them again, and how I feel and why I feel the way I do, and in our conversation back and forth, it becomes pretty clear that there is a, a strong unwillingness to fix this the way I want it fixed. That there there's there's this offering, kind of going back to this leader from before, there's this offering that there should be an expectation of some duplication and repetition in these blessings. And and I want to just state right now that I completely agree with that and even and having come away from that meeting with that leader am, am even in more agreement with with him having said that and and that being shared that I don't I don't want this to come off as he was wrong, I was right. I, I'm saying that coming away from that in many ways I needed to come closer to his position than where I was at when I walked in to talk to him. But but I still struggled with it. I still felt like, and and I guess I got to back up. I and this other person both have a love for the gospel. We both we both I think are righteous people, and not righteous as in not sinners, but righteous in the sense that we're concerned about doing what's right for others around us. Righteous as in we are. We are concerned about not saying something that hurts someone's feelings or offends in, in loving the other person. I don't, I don't feel like this person was out to, to get me or to put me in my place as a motive. But I also want to say that, that leaders who do not understand faith crisis and do not understand the process of moving out of black and white thinking 
into a very complex and nuanced world. And I agree that nobody's all the way black and white and nobody is completely complex and nuanced and that there's this wide spectrum. But those that are closer to the black and white edge versus those who are closer to the complex nuanced edge, there's just going to be a different way of seeing things. And so when a problem like what I'm presenting to to this person is presented, those closer to that black and white line will tend to see leaders as more infallible than what they are. And perhaps people like me see leaders as more fallible than what they are. I'll grant that. And so there is this very tough distinction in the air of this conversation, which is, here's the grand, the ground I stand on. Here's as far as I can go. Does this fix this? And from the other side is, here is the ground from which I stand on. Here is as far as I can go. And this doesn't fix this. And you can, you can sense that both sides are speaking past each other and both sides have no way to convince the other one to see it from their angle. And so I felt, I felt undervalued. I felt minimized. I felt, and again, these are feelings. I'll stop here. These are feelings. I'm not in any way saying that he intended me to walk away with that. I am not in any way saying that his behavior from where he was, that his behavior was inappropriate, not in the least. But simply because he had not dealt with the life experiences that I had and therefore had not drawn the same conclusions that I had, his way in which framing the church and framing the gospel and framing leaders and and people framing people in the church who have stewardships and responsibilities and are called upon to be inspired in what they do, his framing for that is so much different than my framing for it. And so there was just no way that we were going to come to a middle ground that in essence, the Holy Ghost himself sometimes can't bridge this expanse and that often people like me and like you we are left feeling underappreciated and minimized and misunderstood we we sometimes feel like the majority of latter-day saints look at us and say you know what Brother Real, he is out of bounds. And he is out there on some of these things he thinks. And it it is frustrating. So I walk away from this encounter crying. Crying the entire drive home. And I am I am hurt. And I feel like it's that's it, you know. I've come all this way to resolving all of this and fixing all of this, and that's it. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. 
can't do this anymore. And I, I get home and my wife said, how'd it go? Cause she, 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 she's closer to the black and white line. But she at least, she at least understands my perspective and she's also good friends with this other person who I've counseled with. Remember the church who's allowed me to open up. And this other person backs up my experiences by saying, hey, you know, I don't know that Bill's motives are always in the right place and I don't know that I always do things the way he does things, but but I value what he's gone through and it's very similar to what I've gone through. And so please try to understand from that point of view. And my wife's done a beautiful job of understanding that. So she asked me how it went and I said, not well. Not well. I I felt like he wasn't hearing me at all. And again, this is no blame on this person. I, I love this person and I I deep down wonder what they think about me, but I love this person and wish they could understand me where I am. So I had this experience, right? I'm trying to resolve this issue with my patriarchal blessing and feeling cheated out of my blessing. And uh and and and, and the powers that be can't or can't offer me this resolution I'm looking for. And so I don't know what to do and I and I feel undervalued and I'm just ready to call it quits. And so the next day at work what I do is I grab my wife's patriarchal blessing and I uh take it with me to work. I make copies of it, I make copies of mine, I lay them side by side and I grab out a orange or a, a pink highlighter. And I've got it in front of me right now. So as I share this, you know, this is this is being absolutely sincere and, and upfront and not just relying on memory but looking at it right now. I, I end up going through both blessings entirely and highlighting everything that is word for word and then highlighting things that are extremely close. Extremely close. And uh, and I get all done, and I look at it basically paragraph by paragraph, and when I'm all done, it becomes pretty obvious that 50% of my blessing is identical to my wife's, who was the girlfriend at the time that I went and got my blessing with. I ended up marrying that wonderful girl. And so now this is my wife who we're talking about, and it's her patriarchal blessing, and I pull this blessing out, lay it next to mine. We both got our blessing the same day from the same patriarch. And 50% of my blessing is identical to her blessing. And I say, okay, all right. And then I take a green highlighter, and I highlight the places that I still remember from those two people I talked about where they overlapped my blessing. And uh, and that adds a few more little pieces that were not not in not were that were not highlighted by the pink highlighter, but now are highlighted by the green highlighter, but are still duplicate. And so now as I take these two people who have shared their blessing with me, my wife's blessing that I heard given and obviously being married to her you know we have access to each other's blessings 
I now realize that more than 50% of my blessing, somewhere between 50 and 60% of my blessing is, is identical to three other people and they're the only three other people I've heard blessings from from the same patriarch. Now, if I get ten other people from this patriarch, maybe maybe we're talking ninety to one hundred percent identical. And uh, and I'm sorry for all the noises. I'm not going to edit this one as much. I'm going to leave the the sniffles and everything else in here. I want you to feel the emotion of what I'm feeling as I share this, because I know because I because I know many of you have felt these feelings as you deal with seeing the world differently than the rest of those in your ward and in your stake and in your in your church and i want you to understand that so after i get done doing all this highlighting and saying wow this is crazy i'm going to forward this back on to the leader and say you explain this but rather than do that i say you know let's take a different approach let's look at the things that are not highlighted and let's see what we find and I'm not going to read my blessing here, but I want to share some things. One thing that was different was a blessing in there regarding family history work and regarding making me aware of how important this work is. And I'll relate that in my life, I have, I have really found family history work to be an incredible blessing. And I've been absolutely no doubt about it more drawn to family history work than a lot of members of the church probably a large majority of members of the church i feel a deep love for family history work and there was a little admonition in here about this family history work in regards to a certain way that i should go about it and i can absolutely see how that warning could if i use my spiritual eyes be seen as being directed directly at me. There's also an admonition in here about in regards to how I perceive my family that will come in the future, which obviously I have now, and the way in which I should work within that work within that home. And uh, if again, if I look with my spiritual eyes, this absolutely applies to me. And then there's an admonition in here about life circumstances. And this part I want to read to you. It says, even if circumstances seem to be life-threatening, do not worry. But serve your Father in Heaven with all your might and strength and with love in your heart for your fellow men. And, and nobody, very few people know this, but members of my ward maybe know this, and fewer members of my ward probably know the second experience. But I, I had a motorcycle crash about a year ago. I was riding at about 50 mile an hour and uh, paying attention to somebody behind me having some health issues. And so I wasn't watching in front of me, and as a curve came up, I just didn't take it as as sharp as I should have and ended up into the gravel off the side of the road and within a few seconds lost control of the bike and at 50 miles an hour I crashed I uh, bounced on the street and rolled along the road and when I was done my ankle was broken my ACL was torn my head had lacerations in it 
I had road rash covering up several parts on one side of my body. And uh, in the midst of that crash, I knew that my life was safe. I can't explain. Can't explain it, but I knew my life was safe. The second experience occurred near Christmas. We had a nativity scene that we had our youth put together. I was serving as bishop at the time, and our youth dressed up in a nativity scene. We had a little tent that looked like a a manger, and they all had their costumes on. On this night, in Ohio, it can rain one day, and the next day it can be minus 20 degrees. But uh, it had rained all day, and then all of a sudden, towards the evening, this rain had instantly, I mean instantly, had turned to ice. And so we were in the church parking lot, and we're sitting there, and we're watching the youth, and really just having a good time. And all of a sudden, there's an overpass about 100 yards away, where a vehicle comes over the overpass and the bridge is obviously more icy than the rest of it and this this van crashes into the side of this overpass that runs over top of a highway. And so they crash in and they hit the rail and the rail is now almost broken and it's the only thing that's holding them from going over the side and sliding, I don't know, 200, 300 yards down a hill, who knows, rolling over, tumbling, whatever. And so me and another member of the church run as fast as we can up there to help them and to try and get them out of the van before this rail gives way. And uh, as we're up there helping them, all of a sudden another car is coming. And you can just tell, you just, you just I, I don't know how to explain it, just me and this brother both looked at each other and knew instantly that this car was also going to lose control and was going to crash into us. So I take one step over this rail that is almost broken and I'm facing away from the car that's into the rail and facing away from the car that's coming towards the overpass. And all of a sudden you can hear this person starting to hit their brakes and the noise of their tires squealing across the ice. And, it, and I'm thinking to myself, this isn't going to end well. This may be my last few moments in this earthly life. And unbeknownst to me, this brother that's with me also steps over the rail as well. And this car comes over the bridge squealing and having lost control. It hits the van that's already in the rail. The rail breaks free. The the van slides down the hill. God bless them. Lucky for them it doesn't roll over. And lucky for them, these people were in the midst of getting ready to get out of their van at the moment that we saw this car coming. And luckily they got back in their van and, and held on firmly. And this van goes down the hill and uh, in this car, as it hits the van, kind of ricochets off the other direction. 
and essentially leaves me and this brother both standing kind of in between where these two vehicles, the directions that they both went. So the van goes one way down the hill, the car goes the other way off the other side of the road into the other rail, and here him and I, within inches of where these two vehicles make contact, maybe at best a few feet away, and we're both just left there just hugging each other, knowing that our lo- that our lives had been spared. I, I want each of you to know that in your life that there is going to be times where you feel like the church doesn't understand you. Its leaders don't understand you. Its members don't understand you. And I, I feel awful that it happens. And I don't know that there, I think there's even times the Holy Ghost can't fix it. But as I read my blessing, I came to realize, and there's five or six other places in it that go along these same lines where I realize that there are parts of this blessing that absolutely no doubt can apply to my life, in my life only. There's a spot in a section that says, Never doubt. Trust your Father in heaven and love Him. And that's a part I have trouble with every day. I want to conclude with the sentence that was in this blessing that allowed me to first say, Hey, you know what? There might be something to this blessing. It might apply to me. There is a section in here that is, for the most part, a duplicate of my wife's blessing. With the exception of of two sentences. And I want to end on this. The sentences are this. It's This is the part of the blessing. It says, Do not worry what to say to your listeners when you talk about the true gospel. Rely on your faith in your Father in heaven who will put the words into your heart so that you can utter them. Now, let's, now this is a strange, you know, to have the word listeners in your patriarchal blessing is a strange word. And then to realize that I read this after I started the podcast, after the podcast started to become well listened to, after it began to get some acknowledgement and some publicity and people started tuning in, and all of a sudden I have to come to grips with, do not worry what to say unto your listeners when you when you talk about the true gospel. Rely on your Father in heaven who will put the words into your heart so that you can utter them. It all of a sudden struck me that in many ways that word listeners could only apply to me in the very here and now. And so I want to conclude saying this. I know you hurt sometimes. And again, I know people don't always understand you. But hang in there. Have faith. Rely on your Father in heaven who knows you, who knows all things. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Get yourself up. Dust yourself off. And try again. And I plead that we all might find somebody who we can talk to who thinks like us, who at least can understand and empathize where we're coming from. And I bear witness if we can hang in there that God will shed additional light 
in some future day. And I wish you luck. I wish you all of God's blessings. I wish you to not feel alone. I wish you to have the support you need. And I pray that Heavenly Father's tender mercies might be upon you and yours. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.